Coming up on this week's edition of Please Bear With Me, we look back at that awesome game, Baylor versus Oklahoma, so close. Peter Pope from Our Daily Podcast jumps on to join us this week as well. And we look ahead to the game I've been looking forward to all season as Baylor prepares to take on Texas. This is Please Bear With Me. Here we go. It's UT Hate Week. Hashtag horns down. Welcome into Please Bear With Me. My name is Scotty Swingler. Happy to be with you once again as Baylor football prepares to take on the Texas Longhorns coming off the loss to the Oklahoma Sooners this past Saturday. A tremendous time to be a Baylor Bear. 9-1. Nothing to be disappointed about. With a lock on the Big 12 championship, Baylor just needs to win one more game of the next two to guarantee their spot in that championship game to face Oklahoma yet again. It's a good time. Hey, this is a big week for Please Bear With Me. Along with this episode, we have published a conversation with Seth Russell, the former Baylor quarterback, of course, known for his electric dual threat ability, as well as known as that guy that had two injuries that tragically cut not only his Baylor career short, but ultimately his football career a lot shorter than it could have been. Uh, And you know, if you haven't checked those out yet, I would just encourage you to go listen to uh, part one came out yesterday. Part two is coming out tomorrow. And Seth was extremely gracious and awesome to interview and was an open book. I mean, I thought I asked him some really direct questions and I thought he did a really, really nice job of giving me honest, direct answers and being transparent. And it's just a tremendous conversation. I would encourage you to check it out. It's probably the best thing we've ever done for the podcast. And I said that earlier this year about Blake Blackmar, and I think we just topped it. I mean, Seth Russell's story, just so unique. His perspective with where he comes from in terms of faith, just so encouraging. And yeah, so just a little insider information. Like we laughed, we cried, we, you know, it was a really intense hour and a half. He and I talked and he would tear up and I would tear up and Martin's over there recording us would tear up. And, And so it was just, it was just an awesome thing. And so... We'd really encourage you to go check that out this week if you haven't already. Two-part conversation with Seth Russell. I've been thinking all week about how to react to what we saw Saturday as Baylor took on Oklahoma. And I think the only appropriate way to react is in two parts. It was the story of two halves. And I think you have to react to both separately and, and see what's there. And then maybe we can come to some conclusions on the game as a whole. So let's react to the first half. Let's see. What did we get from that first half? As Baylor fans, as Baylor supporters, what can we take away? First of all, as I've tried to say for a couple weeks, but the evidence just hadn't been there, Baylor's offense is capable of scoring points and scoring points in a hurry. Baylor came out hot, firing the ball downfield, I thought Uh, Charlie did a great job of getting the ball to Mims early on. And of course, Charlie did a great job of running with the football early on. And Oklahoma's defense did not seem to prepare for just how mobile Charlie Brewer was. And he exposed that. 
you know, you take advantage of some Oklahoma turnovers and, and put the ball in the end zone. And that's what Baylor's got to do moving forward as a program. When the opposing team gives you an opportunity to go put the ball in the end zone, you got to finish. And in the first half, Baylor did just that and did it very, very well. And I was impressed with the offense. Another note on the offense, um, we saw just how valuable Connor Galvin is. And I've been saying that for a few weeks as well, but I think we really saw it more evident than ever as Casey Phillips was in at left tackle during that first drive and Charlie got sacked right on third down and that was disappointing. And when Galvin came in there, suddenly Charlie had time, had time to operate and make throws. And that's why I think there's offense was so successful in that first half. Another thing to notice in the first half is once again, Baylor's defense is legit. Oklahoma came in with the number one offense in the nation with maybe the best offensive coach in college football. And Baylor was able to hold him to 10 points in that first half. Can't ask for much more than that if you're a Baylor fan. In fact, all week we were saying if Baylor can just hold Oklahoma under 30, we have a shot to win. And sure enough, 10 points in the first half. The defense did exactly what they had to do, forcing turnovers. I loved seeing Grayland Arnold get a big interception in return. He has had an outstanding season with that move to safety, really positioning himself well to be a big-time player next season and jump to the league. Really think just he's been outstanding. But anyway, the defense showed you that they're legit and that they can stop anybody, including Jalen Hurts, including Oklahoma. Now we go to the second half. And this is where all of us say, oh, no. You know, you cannot win a football game if your offense only possesses the ball for five minutes and a half. You're just not going to win that football game. And I've seen a little bit of debate across the interwebs this week, and some people want to blame the offense, some people want to blame the defense. I got to tell you, and I think the majority of you are with me, this is on the offense in the second half. You got to get your defense some time to take a breath, and they did not have that in the second half. And Oklahoma's offense is too fast and too talented for your defensive guys to be just wiped out, exhausted, and keep up with the offense did not do the defense any favors and in fact i would say put the defense in a place where they were going to lose the offense has to possess the ball give the defense some time to rest keep oklahoma's offense off the field in fact if you'll read my article that i wrote last week for 247 i said that i said it's going to be really important that baylor's defense gets quick stops and baylor's offense keeps oklahoma's offense off field we didn't do that in the second half and of course you give Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley enough chances they're going to score and that's exactly what they did and by the end of the game our defense as Matt Rule pointed out as was obvious to all of us was gassed and completely out of it and Oklahoma's offense by that point had a decisive advantage over our defense that honestly played great the other thing the offense had two opportunities to make a big play, and in both cases, dropped the ball, figuratively and literally. Jermichael Hasty on the first play, Baylor's first play of the second half. Great run. I mean, doing what we've seen him do at times this season, just exploding, getting some big yards, and he fumbles the ball. And you just can't do that. And I remember just being in shock that in an instant I go from being super excited to being really disappointed, and that's how it goes. You can't 
put the ball on the ground in that situation. You got to cover it up with both hands as soon as you feel contact and go down and, you know, live to fight another play. And he didn't do that. Tyquan Thornton, who has been so reliable this season, has had an outstanding year, was a little quiet most of the game. Charlie Brewer on a third and 11 hits him on an out pattern right on the sideline. Perfect throw. In fact, the Oklahoma fan that went with me and my youth group said that's his best throw of the game, that throw he made to Thornton. And Thornton can't handle it. He drops it. He just doesn't pull the ball in. And that's one of those plays 99 times out of 100. Taekwon makes that catch and Baylor's offense keeps rolling. And he just didn't get it done. And there's nothing you can say. That's execution, right? There's nothing you can say about that other than you got to get the ball. You can't drop the ball. And, of course, Charlie Brewer you know, we got the ball back there with a minute 45 left or whatever it was, and I thought we were going to see it again. I thought we were going to see Baylor come down the field in a two-minute drill and get points, whether it was a touchdown to win or a field goal to take it to overtime. I had no doubt we were going to score, and then Charlie Brewer throws an interception on a weird play where the ball was snapped too early, and he tried to force something that wasn't there, and you know, he probably should have gotten rid of the ball there and thrown it out of bounds and lived to fight another play, and he didn't. And that's unfortunate, but I think that that's not necessary, right? That two-minute drill is not necessary if Hasty can hold on to the ball, if Thornton can hold on to the ball, if the offense just makes one or two more plays when they had an opportunity, then that two-minute drill wasn't necessary. Baylor just needed one more touchdown anywhere in that second half, and we're not able to get it done. So what do you learn from the game as a whole? First of all, be encouraged that Baylor can play with anybody, right? This Oklahoma team outside of that loss to Kansas State has blown through just about everybody they've faced. I know Iowa State gave them some trouble a couple weekends ago, but Iowa State's a very good football team. They gave us a lot of trouble too, remember? So this Baylor team can play with the best of the best, and that's, that's a positive. That's a good thing. This Baylor team can score in bunches and in a hurry. That's a positive. That's a good thing. This Baylor's defense can stop anybody. Uh, some people are getting scared. You know, oh, if Baylor gets Sugar Bowl or gets to face a really good SEC team, they're going to score all sorts of points on our defense. No, they're not. We just stopped the best offense in college football. Nobody's going to score outrageous points on this defense. So there's a lot of positives to be taken away. The atmosphere at McLean Stadium, awesome. Best since 61-58. Loved the energy and the crowd involvement at McLean on Saturday. Lots of positives in this game. Negatives, of course. Offense has to put together four quarters. And then I would say Baylor fell into a trap, and others have drawn this parallel. I'm not the first person in the media or in the fan base by any means to do this. There's parallels here to the Atlanta Falcons and their loss to the Patriots a couple Super Bowls ago. But there's also parallels here to probably the most heartbreaking loss in Baylor's recent history, which was the Cotton Bowl against Michigan State. In both cases, you've got Baylor with a big lead and they take their foot off the gas pedal. And that may not be quite a fair assessment because, like I said, if Hasty holds onto the ball, if Thornton holds onto the ball, maybe we keep the foot on the gas pedal. But it felt like the offense took their foot off the gas pedal, and instead of trying to score, we were trying to preserve a lead. The team was playing with the mentality of let's preserve this. We, we had such a good first half, let's not screw it up. And you can't do that. you got to keep doing what you were doing in the first half. you got to keep scoring points. 
It's what killed us against Michigan State. It's what killed the Falcons against New England. And it's what killed Baylor in this game. Today's episode is brought to you by Matt Shelf of the Shelf Realty team at Caldwell Banker United Realtors. Matt is a Baylor grad and a longtime listener of the podcast. He and his team in Houston are pros and can help you buy, sell, or rent whatever your real estate needs are. As a young guy, Matt is great with renters and first-time home buyers, and he employs a lot of cutting-edge technology to give experienced home buyers and sellers a great experience too. If you or someone you know is looking to move, even outside of Houston, they're happy to give you a free consultation and market report just for reaching out. You can find them online at www.shelfrealty, that's C-H-E-L-F realty.com, or on Facebook at the Shelf Realty Team. The Shelf Realty Team, you, your goals, your home. Joined now by our daily podcast extraordinaire, Mr. Peter Pope, coming off a week in which he had Bryce Petty as a co-host. How did you manage that, dude? And that's all coffee, man. It was all Elliot coffee. Um, yeah, Fank was in California last week and was he was iffy on whether or not he was going to be able to be on the show. And so Monday night when we recorded our recap for TCU, I was like, do you know, um, do you know Bryce? And he's like, yeah, yeah, of course. We text all the time. I was like, do you think he'd be interested in coming on? He's like, yeah, I'll check. And um Sure enough, he was, and so we uh, we made it happen. And I'll t- I'll tell you, I was I got the text at about um, I don't know, it was like two thirty on Thursday afternoon when I got the text that he was for sure on, and I like I couldn't focus on anything at work for the rest of the day. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was great. It was a lot of fun, and he was a great guest. Um, it, he was a lot of fun. He, he and he and Coffee have a really good rapport, and that made it really easy. So. Well, but it was so coffee made it happen, but it was your idea. You, yeah, yeah, you were audacious enough to say, you know, we need a co-host. Let's go for the best of the best. <laughs> I mean, sure, but I it, still it's without coffee that ain't that ain't happening. Sure. So, but I, I yeah, it, it it was a lot of fun. Uh, they had great chemistry, and he was, um, yeah, he was gracious enough to join us for a little bit, and you know, it's fun. We got a we got two great great podcast with uh with Baylor legendary quarterbacks this week you got yours with uh with Seth Russell which by the way that's a fantastic interview like <laughs> thank you so much I, yeah I'm I was like I was listening to it in, in my office and like got to the got to the part where he's talking about the injury and I'm like okay I need to shut my door I, yeah like, <laughs> I like the 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 pauses and just the silence in there was like, okay, yep, yeah, this is real. This is intense. So well, and well done. Th- well, thank you very, very much. Yeah, it's been a good, good week and a half or so for Baylor podcast listeners. Yeah, that was that's true. That was something we'd been trying to get together for about a year, and you know, I walked in thinking it was going to be good, and then about halfway through that, what you heard yesterday, that part one that we put out. I knew like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. And yeah, and it's yeah pretty special. so b- because of that emotion that was conveyed, I did not manicure that at all. There's no editing on that thing. I just compressed it to where our voices sound, you know, about the same. But other than that, like, I just let it be because everything he said was so compelling 
and you know I I expected him at some point some of those questions I was throwing at him and you know you'll hear more when the rest of it comes out but I really expected him at some point to go hey I'll tell you this but like don't publish it sure but he was wide open and very honest and a class act because that's what that's what he is and yeah but I appreciate it man it was it was a lot of fun so yeah and I will say I was I've been talking about this a couple of times with people where talking about like the worst losses in Baylor history. Um, and of course I was at UNLV in 1999. So that will forever be the top of my list. Yes. Um, but n- number two, I, I, I say to people, number two for me is a game we didn't actually lose. And it was 2015 homecoming Iowa state. Wow. Seth Russell's injury. Yeah. Because that cost us a shot at a national championship. Absolutely. I fully believe that. Absolutely. Well, and it's one thing for, you know, fans to have that perspective, right? Like you and I and, and several others would say, man, that 2015 team had a shot. But when Seth Russell looks you in the oh, face right? and says, yeah, we would have, yeah, like that was our goal. Like that was our, that was, everybody yeah, in the, the locker room knew, like that's what we were chasing and that we knew we could do it. And it's like, that oh, blows my crap. mind. Like, like we weren't just fantasizing there. We were, we were in line with the stated, team goal there (laughs) that just is heartbreaking because that I mean that that season the way that season ended was was heartbreaking for quarterbacks and then one of the most amazing things we've we've ever seen where they invented an an offense at halftime of the UT game right I mean I like it but still just so much of it was just there's I will forever for the rest of my life I will look back at the second half of 2015 and wonder what could have been and it's, yeah, yeah. To hear him say that same thing is amazing and just a little bit heartbreaking. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, and and there were multiple times that interview, at least twice, and maybe a third if if I really thought about it, where he would tear up thinking about mm-hmm. those kind of things. And of course, then that just made me cry. And I'm trying to hold oh, yeah. it together and be a pro. <laughs> and yeah, man. So it's it's emotional. But hey, speaking of difficult losses. <laughs> nice say. I mean, you said it, and I was like, we've got to go straight into this. You know, coming off what's a disappointment, you know, in the big picture, losing to Oklahoma when both teams are in the top 15 is not that big of a downfall, I would say. Right. I think it's only really a difficult loss because Baylor jumped up to such a huge lead and looked like they were in complete command, and all of a sudden the wheels fall off, and we're having flashbacks to the Cotton Bowl, and we're having – flashbacks to you know what we did against TCU that same season in 2014 and so you know why don't you help and uh, talk to some of my listeners maybe about what you had expected going into that game and then what some of your biggest takeaways were coming out of that game with that result where what I've been saying is it two halves almost felt like two completely different ball games absolutely absolutely um so the way that I've been looking at this is sort of in a micro level and then a macro level, right? So the on the micro level, this game absolutely stings. Um, when you look at the way that it happened, everything about it is um, it's frustrating because you saw a, a half where Baylor, for the most part in that first half, was completely dominant. They had Jalen Hurts on their on his heels. He was making mistakes. He threw a massive interception. He literally put the ball on the carpet and left like, it there. <laughs> he just he just like yeah, I'm just gonna leave the ball there and and then turned around like where's the ball? Like 
that was, I mean, it was spectacular. And the stadium is losing its mind. The, it was the best atmosphere. I think, I contend it's the best atmosphere that, that I've ever been at. And I was at OU in 2013. Um, so I, the two that I would put up against it would be actually 2011 OU. Okay. And, buy that. and, and, you know, the Griffin throw that we all know so well. And then I actually don't know, think when I think about McLean, I don't know if it tops how hype it got at the end of 61 58. Cause that was, I mean, and this one was unbelievable. It's not taken away from, uh, you know, what we saw Saturday, but yeah, certainly up there with those two games and, and 2013 OU, as you mentioned as well. I, yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I think those are the games that you want to look at. I was in 2011. I was at home for the OU, for the OU game because my firstborn daughter was three weeks old, and so <laughs> she was sleeping in my wife's in my wife's arms when Griffin threw that touchdown. And of course, I screamed so loud that it woke her up, and she started crying. And I was like. I don't even care. Worth it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> worth it. Um, and she's now eight years old and a, and a big Baylor fan. So it's, oh, it's all good. Um, yeah, TCU 2014, I would say um, the end of it had that atmosphere, but this was sustained, you know? I mean, even in the second half when people got nervous, it was still loud. Sure. It was still pretty raucous. But the first half, the whole time, nobody sat down. Um I mean, it was amazing. And so, but then, of course, that second half happened. Um, and the way it happened was frustrating. It was I, it was heartbreaking. But it's like, I don't think, I don't look at it as Baylor straight up blew the lead. I mean, they, they did. But OU took it. They did something that is completely against their sort of their offense's MO, which is explosive plays. You know, that's what their bread and butter has been all season long. It's been massive plays. Um, you know, CeeDee Lamb in possession, just trucking fools and and barging down the field. Um, granted, he wasn't in this game, but OU went against their own type and they took what we gave them and they marched down the field methodically time after time after time. And they needed the entire second half to do it and they just did so that I mean that stings that absolutely stings so on the micro level that's really rough but on the macro level what did we lose by losing this game and the truth is not a whole lot I mean we lost a shot at maybe have being in the playoffs right that would be the only thing I would say and you know, and there are a lot of arguments about whether or not a 13 and 0 Baylor team got in. And I, I'm sorry to say that if, if Baylor had gone 13 and 0, they would have gotten into the playoffs. Absolutely. That's just it. Absolutely. Okay. We. I'm glad we agree on that. But I didn't ever really think it was super realistic that we were going to end up going 13 and 0. And so, the loss on the macro scale of the season is not that big of a loss because we we beat Texas or we beat Kansas. And we're in the Big 12 championship, and we have a shot at redemption. And I like I never expected that going into this season. I never expected that we would be in a spot where we have a high percentage chance of playing in a Big 12 championship, and much less a, a real a real opportunity to win it because they showed that they can hang with this OU team. Well, and, and 
Go ahead. Go ahead. It's really hard to beat a great team twice is what yeah. I keep telling people. And Baylor's a great team. They really are. Um, the defense is something that I, I never expected to be at this level this se- this quick and in this season. Um, we're going to need a full uh, full four quarters from the offense <laughs> to do it. But, I mean, it's definitely possible. And, and really, like, I, I've seen a lot of people talking about play calling in the second half, um, struggles with, you know, why didn't we do this or why didn't we do that? And I'm like, the thing that I point to is they ran four plays in the third quarter. There's, there's not a sample size. They ran two pass plays and two, er, and two rushing plays. Well, and two of the plays that were called were executed brilliantly, and the ball on both was literally and figuratively dropped. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're absolutely right about that. And so it's like, how do you, how do you fault play calling in that, that place? You, you can't. Yeah, and I agree. I, if I think, I mean, cause you look at it and the thing that I've been looking at, I spent a lot of time staring at the drive chart just because it's astounding to me. You have, uh, you know, Oklahoma gets the ball to start the second half. They march down the field in 12 plays, 74 yards, almost six minutes. We get one play, 10 seconds, right? Then they march down the field again and fumble the ball, and we recover it for a touchback. That that was an 11-play, four-and-a-half-minute drive. I mean, at this point, your offense has been on the field for 10 minutes, for over 10 minutes, actually over 11 minutes. So... Your your offense, did I say your offense has been on the field? Yeah, but we all knew what you meant. Okay, your defense has been on the field that right. long. Yeah. Your offense has to get a drive. Yes. They have to sustain a drive or this defense is just going to be completely gassed. And we have a three and out. And in my mind, that was that's basically all she wrote for the defense because they had, they had been on the field all but one minute and 42 seconds of this of the second half at this point. Of the third quarter. I mean, that's it. And the rest of it was all Oklahoma, which, I I mean, that is so impressive to me because that's not necessarily what they're built to do. But they went out and they adjusted and they got it done. Yeah, they did. And, you know, the, I've seen a lot of people want to point to the interception on the last play there, and, and I just look at it as you had opportunities before that, plenty, to go seal the game. One more touchdown, you win the game, regardless of when it happens. And yep. I don't know about you, Peter, but we got the ball back with a minute 45, and I looked around and said, ball game, we win. I mean, I was not counting against it. I was not at all I mean, just the track, against it. the track record that Brewer's shown since he first came into a game against West Virginia till now, and the track record this team has shown of pulling out games right in the last possible moment I was ready for it and you know disappointed it didn't go that way but at the same time I shrugged and said well that's the first time that that hasn't (laughs) like this is the first time I'm disappointed that a two-minute drill hasn't gone our way I'm feeling good about the rematch yeah absolutely um yeah especially you had the you had the I mean the sack I think it was there was a sack to Charlie um, on second down, and then R.J. Sneed for nine yards, Denzel Mims for twenty-one yards, and we're in plus territory at yeah. that point. I was like, "Game on! We've got 
we've got a ton of time on the clock. At the very least, this is ending with us tying the football game and going to overtime. Right. I was I was totally there with you. And yeah, I mean the the pass it was probably it wasn't the best pass. Um, and ends you know it ends the 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 comeback attempt. The last one that I can think of uh, that Charlie had like this was. I guess it was Texas last year. Yes, uh, where he had the chance to tire win. I can't remember. We were and we had two chances into the end zone and just couldn't connect to to finish the game. I think if I remember correctly, it was to win. I think we were out of field goal range, out of timeouts, and they were just they threw up two hell marys to try to get the dub. I could be wrong about that. I'd have to look it up. But yeah, yeah, I, I think I think you're right about that. Yeah, and and that wasn't even like that. Charlie threw a pick. That was just he put it up with a prayer twice and it wasn't answered, you yeah. know? And so, yeah, what this team has shown late in games is the ability to come back. And if you're down a score, like you're feeling good if you're Baylor and, you know, but what, what does this do for you in terms of looking at what's coming up? How do you think Baylor responds against Texas this coming weekend? How do you think they look at a potential rematch with Oklahoma, considering also that Oklahoma will have CD land back barring something crazy and that will, you know, I don't want to put too much on one player's shoulders, but that will make it much more difficult on the defense to contain Oklahoma the way they did in that first half. No, I totally agree with you there. Um, I, As far as CeeDee Lamb, I think, honestly, I think the game plan for the defense doesn't change all that much because they have been all about shutting down and locking down the number one receiver for whoever they play right. all season long. And they've done it. And they've done it really well. And so I don't think the game plan for them changes, but it opens up other options for Oklahoma. I think it makes uh, Jalen Hurts a much more dangerous rushing threat. But then again, I mean, we've done pretty good against mobile quarterbacks as well, like at the same time. And so it's, I like the matchup. I, I don't know that we win it, but like you said, um, it's real hard to beat a good team twice in a row. And I think, um, contrary to uh, to two years ago where TC, where Tech, OU beat TCU twice in a row to win the Big 12 championship, I don't think that TCU team was nearly on the level that Baylor is, er, at least compared to Oklahoma. So I like our chances. I don't know that I would go all the way to, um, to picking us, at least at this point. Uh, I think I, I really am interested to see how we rebound against Texas. Um, and as far as the Texas game, I would be, I would probably be really worried about a, a letdown factor in this game after such a, you know, the hype has been building in the, you know, we're five and oh, six and oh, seven and oh, eight and oh, nine and oh. And it's just this, this intensity is building, building, building. And you have this grand stage on Saturday night after game day the atmosphere was crazy the entire day um I would worry about a a, a knockdown a, a letdown effect except that it's Texas on the other side this weekend <laughs> yes and I, I was getting there's... really concerned about your take there Peter and and <laughs> we got to where we needed you to get there yep it, I mean, I, that's just it. I just don't see any way that this team is not ready to, to play Texas and that Matt Rule is not ready to square off against Tom Herman on the other sideline. Like, I just don't see it. I think this team is going to be fired up. I think they're going to be focused. 
the things that I've heard out of, you know, that we've heard out of rule this week are really encouraging. Um, uh, you know, yeah, their defense or, or their offense is, is really solid and they have some really, uh, potent weapons. The thing is like, I, I think Colin Johnson's out or at least doubtful, which is a huge blow to their offense. That means you only have to key on Devin Duvernay. Right. Uh, I have to, sh I shudder whenever I even speak that name. We all do. <laughs> so close. Yeah. Uh, and Ellinger's good. He's, he's a good mobile quarterback, but like he, I just don't see him scaring this defense. I just don't. So it comes down to, for me, what does Charlie do? What does the offense do? Can, um, can he take advantage of their depleted secondary? And I really think he can. Um, I think, I think, I kind of think this, the loss might be good for the team and for the offense in, in particular, like that it might focus them and, um, and, and then <laughs> they may play with their hair on fire. That's what I'm hoping to see that on Saturday. Yeah, I don't think I could agree with you more. And I think the other thing I would add to that, everything you said, I completely agree with, like, I don't see the care this the character and the attitude of this team is not one that's going to back down after that loss. It's it's one yeah. that's going to get off the mat and be pissed and be ready to go prove something. And I think you add a couple storylines in here that make it even more likely that Baylor comes out hot. So, you know, whether it's Charlie Brewer having kind of a vendetta wanting to go beat Texas because that's where his dad played and that's where he wanted to play and they didn't offer him and he came just short last season. You know it's personal for him, whether yeah. it's Matt Rule coaching against Tom Herman and I think as far as opposing coaches go or opposing programs go, I don't think there's anybody in the Big 12 Matt Rule wants to beat more than Tom Herman at Texas. And, you know, I think that's a factor that I think he's going to come in extra motivated and has been this week. And... And the for the entire team, one, you lost real close last year, and you want to make sure that that you remedy that. But two, Texas is the program that continues to get the benefit of the doubt, that continues to be the standard in Texas, mm -hmm. and and the big boy in Texas, and even in seasons when Baylor's won Big Twelve championships, like well they're not Texas, right? And. <laughs> <laughs> and so for this Baylor team that has been doubted all year, that has been underrated all year, to play a Texas team that feels consistently overhyped and overrated and overvalued and likes to puff their chest out a lot, I just think, on top of everything you said that's correct, I don't know if there's a game Baylor would rather win this season than this game. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> that's preach. what I do. That's that's my real job. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, you got your preacher hat on, and I'm just going to let it go. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I totally, I absolutely agree with you. I know every, I've had multiple people say to me this week, you know, oh, man, I would, I'm fine with losing to OU. I'd rather go eight and four and beat Texas than go, than go 11 and one and not, and or, or 11 and, or 10 and two and not. And I'm like, I'm going to hold off on that, but I appreciate the sentiment. Like, you know, it's like, okay, I, but I totally agree. It's, it's this, everybody wants this game and it's, they've had a, it's been what, five years, I think. Too since long. We've won it. It's too been long. too long and they've been, we haven't gotten blown out in a single one of them. It's been close. And so I like, I absolutely want this game. I don't want it 
to have to wait to pin our hopes on a Big 12 championship on a game in Lawrence, Kansas. Like, by the way, nervous about by the way, game. I've said for four weeks, I'm more scared of that game than this game. I mean, I, I totally get that sentiment. It's 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 a, it's totally a, a potential letdown spot after OU after TCU OU and Texas back to back to back. Like that's a scary that's a scary place to be. And you could th- you could easily make the argument that they now have the best head coach in the conference and that they outside of Baylor, outside of Baylor, they have been the most surprising and oh, like performed above expectations team in the conference. That's I yeah, I think you can make that argument. Um I think uh I think maybe K-State takes the nod on on outperforming expectations. They've been way above what I thought that they would do. But that being said, like you can't discount Kansas and what they have done and they've accomplished this season. And especially especially going down to Austin and giving 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 the Longhorns everything on in that game and almost taking it. It requiring a, you know, a walk-off special by Cameron Dicker, which gosh, just keep that guy off the field. Like yeah. I don't want him kicking in a clutch situation in this game. Like let's just not even get there. So Texas is yeah, saying so the same thing about John Mayers this week. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I agree. I think that they have definitely outperformed expectations. Um, it's not a place that I want to be on the last on uh, with lots of things to play for on the on the last weekend of the season. Let's go in there and like it be a tune up game before we go to the Big Twelve Championship, I which we will agree. know we'll be in. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Uh, so there's two camps I think that I've seen in terms of how Baylor people are thinking about this game. There's the camp, and I'll show my cards, and you probably know this. There's the camp that I'm in that says, dude, Texas is overrated. Like, they are a good, not great football team. Look at how bad their defense is this season. You know, we should, for every reason in the book, beat them, and we should be the favorite, and I'm not scared of them. Then there's the camp that says, no, 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 no. Like, Texas gave LSU a game, and they did. And this is the best four-loss team in the country, and we don't need to, as fans, think that we are the favorite. We need to come into this game thinking Texas might be better than us and could very well beat us. Do you land squarely in one of those camps, or you somewhere in the middle? I think I would fall. I think I would be in the middle because one, I don't think that we should be scared. I, but I also don't think that we should take them lightly either. And I don't, uh, you know, it's not a, it, they are a, I mean, they have a really potent offense and it's dangerous. Um, and I think that if they were to play an absolutely perfect four quarter game, they can beat our defense. Um, the difference between them and OU is that OU was able to accomplish that in one half. I think it would take that kind of execution over the entirety of a game. I don't think I see that coming from them. I think we're going to be able to get turnovers off of them. Um, and if they, if they give us, if they give us the ball, I think that we're going to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, I think our offense is too good. I think they will be, they found something in the first half they didn't get really the opportunity to even establish it in the second half. So I think they're going to be ready. Um, I also think that that uh, <laughs> Texas 
punched way above its weight in that in that LSU game very early in the season. Expectations were still high. Um, they they've had some injuries since then that have really uh, that have really hindered them. I, I so yeah, I guess I fall kind of in between. I, I'm sort of in the we don't want to take it lightly, but we also should not be afraid. I think that Baylor is the better team. Um, I think that they're probably a you know it's a win six or seven times out of ten um, sort of a situation, and I like them by. I like Baylor probably by a touchdown at this point. Yeah, that's great. And I, like I said, I, I think I'm a little more in the Texas is super overrated camp. And so I actually took us sure. by two touchdowns, but yeah, man, I, hey, I it's, it's reasonable. I, I think yeah. Bill C has a, has us in between Bill Connolly from does S and P plus. I think he's got us at about eh, a little bit, uh, about nine points. Sweet. So sweet. Yeah. Love it. Well, hey, uh, we're coming up on time here. I'm going to let you go. Thanks for your time. Why don't you tell, uh, please bear with me, listeners, what you guys have on our daily podcast this week and where they can find that and how they can check out your stuff. Sure. Uh, OurDailyBears.com is where you can can check us out. We're also on basically all the different podcast platforms. I don't think we're on Spotify, but um, I should really look into that. we uh we have our recap episode that has also has sour grapes with Amy Paget and Bayloretta on it. So good, um, by the way. Yeah, uh, they're they're great. They're so much fun. I really appreciate them doing that, and I know that it's had some it's had really good uh, feedback. So if you haven't checked that out, it starts at about forty nine minutes, I think, um, on the last episode, and then we'll do our we're cutting our preview for Texas. Uh, here in a couple of hours um, on Wednesday night, and then uh, we will that'll be out and on the feed and on our daily bears. So check us out there. I'm at at PB Pope on Twitter. The podcast is our daily podcast on Twitter. So yeah, check us out if you haven't. All right, Peter. Any final thoughts before we let you go? Man, thanks for having me on. It's, this has been a blast. I. I it's been too long since we've talked, and so uh, we should definitely do this again. Yeah, well, I'm down anytime. This has been good. You you were uh, one of my first guests on season one to help this thing off the ground, and then I was lucky enough to get coffee uh, last year for an episode, and having you back has been fun, and I'll, yeah. I'll go ahead and put it out here publicly because I've said it privately maybe three times. I am down for the mashup episode of... <laughs> Please bear with me and ODP coming together anytime, man. You let yeah, you let man. me know and we'll make it happen if you like. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good idea. We should have you on for sure. One again, I just have to say once again, I really enjoyed your interview and I can't wait for uh, for part 2 of the Seth Russell stuff. That was it's really good, man. Well, thanks so much and again, I I've been telling people all day, got to give him a lot of credit for for his vulnerability and and honestness and kindness and all of that. So, but thank you very much. It was, it was awesome. And you know, we're, we're really lucky and I'm just thankful we were able to do it, man. So. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks again for having me on. This has been great. Looking at the matchup against Texas and I kind of already hinted at this, but I just don't see, Baylor losing that game I think Baylor rolls and you know maybe that's arrogant of me to say I saw some 
thoughts this week that Texas might be the best four-loss team in the country. You know, maybe, but like the reality is they're not that great. They're not that special. They are six and four, which is nothing to be super stoked about if you're Texas in the third year of Tom Herman's regime. And, you know, I think every part of their team is overrated. Their defense is amongst the worst in the NCAA Division One standings. Sam Ellinger is a heck of an athlete and a competitor. He's not a great quarterback. He's, you know, good, not great. And their coaching staff hasn't proven that they can make adjustments and win big games when it counts most. And I just don't see Baylor losing to Texas at home this season. I just do not see it happening. Furthermore, this Baylor team is a team whose personality is going to allow them to respond with a tremendous poise and with some anger after what happened against Oklahoma, not in defeat or woe is me or, you know, coming out sluggish. I just think that if anything, that loss is going to fire this Baylor team up with Matt Rule's personality that the team has adopted with their tenacity they've shown all season. I just think that Baylor comes out hot like they did against Oklahoma and this time learns how to finish. And so, you know, I don't know all the details behind that. Unfortunately, I don't get to go to the game. I'll be in Tampa Bay at a National Youth Workers Convention and we'll be watching at a sports bar with my horns down t-shirt. But, uh, you know, I think I've got Baylor like 34-20. Like... It is what it is. I just don't think Texas is that good this season. I don't think they're prepared to come into Waco and win against the team tied for first in the Big 12. And I think Charlie Brewer, out of everybody, has the most approved this week. I think he's mad that he didn't get the win in Austin last year when he was trying to prove to Texas that they should have signed him, just like they signed his daddy. I think he's mad that the game this past weekend was essentially lost on an interception he threw, although... As we pointed out, there was a variety of other factors that led to that loss, not just the interception. But I think Charlie Brewer is going to come out wanting to prove some people wrong. I think the team's going to come out angry. And so, yeah, gave me Baylor by two touchdowns. I have not seen anything from Texas that makes me think that they can hang with Baylor, you know, and especially with the way Baylor's defense is playing. I just don't see it. I don't see it. So, yeah, let's say 34-20 Baylor. And if you're going to that game, man, I, I hope you go and get loud. I heard it sold out just like Oklahoma was. That thrills me. I'm really bummed I can't be there myself. But, yeah, expect big things from Baylor. Expect really big things from their offense. Expect bigger things from their defense. And let's see if we can get to 10-1. and one. And from there, you're locked in the Big 12 championship game. You go up to Lawrence, Kansas with a chance to be 11-1. and one. I mean, looking – at what this team has done, if you had said before the season, hey, like, we're going to win 11 games and go to the Big 12 title game, I don't think anybody would have believed that, and everybody would absolutely be stoked about that. So I think most of us have gotten over this Oklahoma loss, and we're just looking ahead. I know the team is. You know, hashtag what's next, right? But, you know, it's time for us to get over that loss as well, if you haven't, and, and move on and look forward to a Big 12 championship rematch against Oklahoma. I mean... I just do not see this team losing the next two games, you know, especially both of them. So let's get excited. Let's support our team. Man, I love the Baylor Bears. I love what they've done. So proud of Matt Rule and the guys. And looking to see what kind of improvements they make on 
that second half of last weekend's, you know, getting the defense a break and keeping the ball moving on offense. So I think they'll do it. think they'll do great. And that's it for this week's edition of Please Bear With Me. Thanks so much for giving us a listen. Go check out our daily podcast. Those guys at ODB are great. Peter Pope, thanks so much for coming on and being our guest this week. We hope that you guys are doing well over there at our daily podcast and hope that uh, everybody here goes and listens to that podcast. They just had Bryce Petty on there last week before Oklahoma, man. I mean, how do you top that? You don't, right? Like, hashtag ready for or you. I would like to invite you once again to go check out our sit down with Seth Russell in a completely different kind of conversation than what ODB did with Bryce Petty, which was phenomenal. That conversation with Seth Russell published in two parts. We did publish part one yesterday. It's up there. You can listen to it. Part two will come out tomorrow, and it's every bit as intense and tear-jerking as part one. I got to tell you, this is the most awesome thing I've been able to do thus far in my very short and semi-professional career in journalism, and just very thankful to Seth for the opportunity to sit down with him. Please go check it out. Share it with your friends. This is the week. If you enjoy please bear with me. And you can share us with your friends, be it on Twitter, through a text message, Facebook, social media, email. I mean, heck, whatever you can do to share this podcast and make sure that every Baylor fan has the opportunity to hear from Seth Russell this week, to hear his story and enjoy it the way that some of you have. And if everybody has the opportunity to get in and subscribe to this podcast, man, it would just mean the world to me. It'd mean the world to Tim Watkins and the guys at Bears Illustrated. And we do all this for you. I don't do this because it pays well. It doesn't, right? And I don't do this because it's easy. It's not. But I do this, you know, because I enjoy it, but also because I hope you enjoy it. And so I hope you know that my DMs on Twitter, my email, scottswingler at gmail.com, all of it, man, it's open to you anytime. And if you have any suggestions or thoughts for the podcast, please shoot them my way. We're happy that we do this for you, man. We do this for you. So happy to adjust to anything that you would like to see on the show and just very, very thankful. Thank you for listening. Thanks for making it possible to do what I do. I feel like as we near the end of the season, once again, you know, with two games left and then maybe a big 12 championship game and then a bowl game, I am just overwhelmed that we've been able to do this, you know, now for the third season and we're coming up on the final stretch here and, you know, just very thankful. So thank you so much. Horns down. Let's go beat UT on Saturday. This has been please. Bear with me for Tim Watkins, for Martin Thomas, for Peter Pope, for Seth Russell on our bonus episodes this week, for Matt Shelf, and for everybody else who makes this podcast possible. Thank you. God bless you. Sick'em Bears. Please Bear With Me is brought to you by Bears Illustrated over at Baylor 247. Thanks to my man Tim Watkins over there. Thanks to Martin Thomas for producing the podcast this season. I'm your host, Scotty Swingler. All the music you've heard today was from Iron Kids. Check them out at Iron Kids Music. See you next time.